been so cool having Izzy with us this weekend. Um, she's been such a blessing to us. There's so much wisdom and revelation um, that she carries, and also a wealth of experience. Um, Izzy hasn't been doing ministry and music for you know two months. She's been doing it a long time. Um, and so we just thought tonight might be a cool opportunity for us to draw some of that wisdom out. Um, we actually had a moment on Friday uh, as he came and spoke to the staff team here. And we just asked a couple of questions. And before we knew it, we were like, there was gold all around us. There was just so much wisdom in what was being said. So um, tonight we're going to capture that, which is going to be really cool. So um, Izzy, why don't you come on up and... Yeah, let's give her a clap as she comes on up. Come on. Thank you. All right. <sighs> so, so by the way, I just want to say from one cool person to another. <laughs> no, come on. We're all good people, right? But you are really cool. I just love your style. You are creative. You are unapologetically just yourself. Um, where did that confidence come from? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think I ever thought about it. I just realized that um, I, I, there were things that I really wanted to look like, that if they didn't exist, I'd either make them or turn something else inside out to make it. Um, and I, the freedom that I felt was something that I enjoyed. That's, yeah, because I, it gave me happiness, I just continued. Yeah, if I thought about it too much, then I get self-conscious, so I just don't think about it. I go, nobody else is doing this, I don't really care. <laughs> um, okay. So, we're going to talk about worship, Great. which is going to be fun. I'm excited. Yes. Um, but tell me about creativity. Creativity is worship, because you're not just a worship leader. Mm-hmm. You're not just a pianist, a singer. You're also a dancer. Yeah. Um, there's many kind of facets to your creativity. So what is creativity in, in regard to worship? I think, for me, I see the whole physical body as something, you know, Romans 12, I think it speaks about offering your body as a living sacrifice, and that's your acceptable and pleasing um, worship. I think God loves the fact he's not, God doesn't compartmentalize the spiritual realm, you know. It's like he loves everything. He loves, you know, he loves the fact that we can give him everything. So for me, creativity is giving him everything so I'll be singing songs if I'm doing the laundry. Yeah, that's worship for me. I'll be saying, this, I'm doing this for you. So um, I think what dance does, that's different to the other art forms, that it involves your whole body. Um, I mean, if you're a bass guitarist, you're probably the coolest guy because you just move your thumb. <laughs> now, some, I've seen people dance and do that as well. But dancing demands all of your body, so it's probably the, a very descriptive way of inclusion. And so because of that, I think training as a dancer my whole life, it was something that naturally, for me, it was like, well, that's one of the ways I can give God glory is just involve my body in that. So um, that's for me the creative. So for me, creativity is going to the outer limits of what you can possibly express. And dance helps with that because you can kind of do more and you can do things even statically that kind of that look creative. Mm. So how does um, how is that expressed in your church? Creativity, like okay. do you have you know people on the side doing paintings? <laughs> do you have ribbons? No, we don't have any of that actually. Funny enough, um, 
We're probably are creative in the way we use lights. Um, we have some really fun lighting people that are light obsessed. And um, I think probably the biggest creative area would be the song of the Lord or the prophetic song, the spontaneous song, you know, when it speaks about us, like we worship and then he sings back or we find that there is something that we could sing that's, it's like going to the end of the cliff and then you hang glide, you know. You're, you're, you're still, you know, you're airborne and there's still something else underneath, but you, you're not very sure what that is. So we've practiced that. That's been a biggest part of our creativity is, yeah, how to work as a team and how to individually develop our own creativity to where we're exploring what we could do at the end of a song or create a song with its musical space. So sometimes we'll just do musical pieces and practice that have no words and that's a creative way to worship. I'm just going to ask questions as they yeah. come to me. Is that all right? Sure. That's cool. Because um, what you've talked about just now, it can seem uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in the congregation and the worship leader's just freestyling, mm-hmm. you know, singing what comes to them. How do you train your congregation to get to that place where they can just engage with God, no matter what they're hearing, what right. they're singing? Right. How do you get to that place? I think it's like, I think about it, I always try and think of a practical way to explain it. It's like if you're going to introduce a new meal in a restaurant, you want it to taste good. So if you give people a really beautiful and tasteful experience of the prophetic, they will welcome it. I think sometimes when we do it really awkwardly and we're afraid and we're not confident, they feel that. And so they start to feel like, oh, maybe they don't know what they're doing. But when we help people say, okay, we're not going to try and write a symphony. We'll just do a little piece at the end. And that thing that you came with to the team, that's God's really on that. Let's, let's sing that. We'll back you. We'll make sure you're confident. And so when we do it, we always tell our team, make sure you make very confident mistakes. Make it look like it was planned. Even if you stuff up, it's like, yeah, that was the wrong chord. It was a discordant. I wanted it to sound discordant right now. (laughs) And then, you know, you don't look around and go, oh, and you don't do that. And I think people, you, so I give giving people a really pleasant experience and then not overstretching them too fast. And we also teach. Then we say, this is what is happening now. So in the early days when we started out, we would. Um, invite people to a meeting that was just that. And we'd say to people, you're not going to have words, you're not going to have anything, it's just going to be a time of you meeting God. And then the musicians had really practiced. So we, we really, we don't demand a high level, but it seems to be that the only way to do that kind of prophetic stuff, you have to practice your instrument. Because then you've got to go, gosh, we don't know where they're going to go. We've got to learn by ear. We've got to learn chords. We've got to learn things. So it demands more from the musicians. But I think that's also a good thing because I think um, you raise the quality. It's like saying, well, if we want to have a really nice, you know, if you want a chef that can just go into the fridge and make anything from the fridge, you've also, they've also got to know what ingredients go together. That means practice. So... The musicians do have to practice. They go to vocal lessons. They go to lessons. They brush up on stuff. And I'm going back to keyboard lessons really? next term. Yeah. I'm like, I'm getting bored with what I'm doing. I just want to do something else and teach me some jazz stuff. Test me. Try me. I want to do different, you know, scales. Yeah. And how so long have you been playing for? Um, when I met Finn, we were both guitarists. And I thought, well, 
we can't both play guitar. I don't know why I thought that. And I thought, I'm going to have to change instruments. So that's how I got to learn piano because I just thought, okay, well, I'll do piano, you do guitar. Um, so I, I actually only had about three months training. Um, and the rest of the time, I, I practiced just a lot. I'd get exercises from people and then do those until I could do no more. Just scales, lots of scales. <laughs> circle of fifths, thank you. I know you go on about the circle of fifths. This great um, circle of Because it's hard. You don't want to get caught in the trap of being a worship musician where that's all you can do, you know, just play worship music. Because mm-hmm. I, f- I feel for me, I've been in that trap in the past before where what do you, what do you play? And I just, I just, I'm good at playing What a Beautiful Name and, you know, these other songs. Mm-hmm. But there's real value in playing jazz. You know, learning those scales, learning yeah. that to upskill, and that will inform how you do worship, how you do praise, yeah, and all of that. Yeah, I mean, I guess every church will have a style that they'll prefer, mm. but if you have a church of a lot of creatives, you can experiment a bit more. And definitely, the kind of meetings where people are anticipating something a little different, you can experiment a bit more. Mm. Yeah, and you introduce it that way because the same people that come to those meetings also that land up being on a Sunday, and then those people, then it just the more confident they are, it just seems like, oh, we must have missed the other time when they learned all these songs, you know. So it becomes a natural, it becomes a culture. So whatever, I think every house has its culture and it's up to the leadership as to what kind of culture they they want. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'd love if you could go into the prophetic a little bit more with worship. Because obviously that's something you do really well. Um, we We were leading... Worship. Sorry, Izzy was leading worship on Saturday, um, and there was a room full of ladies, and we had this funny moment. It was funny now looking back, but the words didn't come on screen, and so Izzy, seeing this, just started jumping into like this prophetic space, and you just started singing what you know what came to you, mm. um, and there was still this incredible sense of Holy Spirit and breakthrough, and you started speaking into things that were happening in the room and into all of that. Mm-hmm. How do you hear from God in those moments? Because it, it can be hard. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's pressure, there's, mm-hmm. ah, there's lights, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But in that moment, like, how do, you, how do you hear from God? I think um, I practice the prophetic a lot. So when I'm on my own, I will sing a lot. Like part of my prep is just singing new songs, even if I'm not at the keys or... Anyway, I don't listen to a lot of music. When I do, it's just really fun dance music. And I'm just like, yeah, that's zone out. Um, or it's really super chill music with rain or something weird. It's spacey, something <laughs> cosmic. Um, but I like, <laughs> I don't like worship genres, I have to be honest, because it's very predictable for me and, and it frustrates me, so I don't want to get mad. So then I just listen to other stuff. But if I'm prepping for the prophetic, I'll do... Um, Sing in the spirit a lot because that charges your inner man. And when you have that charge inside of you, it's like, um, I liken it to, well, it's like your phone. If your phone's charged, you're going to be able to do a lot of, you're going to be able to open a lot of pages and stuff and have things open. So I have a few things open. (laughs) I have scripture that is going on here and I'm thinking, I'm sensing this scripture you know, um, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And then I'll read different versions. I'll say it a different way. I'll practice saying that um, 
that scripture in many different ways. Meditate, find out what those words mean so I'm not twisting scripture. Um, so I've got a sound, I've got a, a word base. Then I've got a sound space that I create. And I think I really love these chords together. When I play these chords together, they make me feel like, oh. And then when I do that, it's like, ooh. I practice mood. I go, Why do these chords make me feel like that? And I practice it in other people. I'm like, what do you think of this progression? They go, oh, I feel it reminds me of, oh. And then the other one, like, ooh. Okay, well, let's do that scripture more with that. That seems to go together with this. So we, we practice that. And I'll prepare the stuff before I even get to the team. And then I'll share with them the process so that when they're part of the process, they can own it more than if I just say, this is what we're doing yeah, with yeah. a program. They, if they need to know where it's coming from because when people share that, that, yeah, it goes into their spirit too. So there's an impartation then of this is the faith that I'm coming with. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I think we could go. We could go there or maybe that's not going to happen so we prepared these songs. Yeah. But um, that's what happens. And so when I first started out, it was really a couple of lines. And sometimes it is still a couple of lines. But then it became more and more like, you know, you could do a whole song, a prophetic song. or And then you'd have, we had, we'd train the singers and go, you're singer one, you're singer two, you keep doing that. Because I would hear three simultaneous harmonies. I'd go, you stay with that. And singer two, you do that. And then I'll sing the one in the middle, you know. And that, that's really fun when that happens. Because <laughs> then they're all part of it. You know, it's not just you doing it. It's like they're part of it. My happiest thing is when other people go for it now. That's my happiest moment. I just think, oh, yes. I like the way you say it, you know. Yeah. So what does it look like then for you to give permission to your team? Because I think often in worship, in a congregational sense, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're really... We're happy to say, oh, you've got permission to go there mm -hmm. or you've got authority, go there. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we're still looking at the time and the run sheets, making sure that it fits. Right. Um, how do you empower your team and your musicians, your singers, your worship leaders, right. but uh, still allow time to honour the run sheet and that kind of thing? I think that's an individual thing. But I reckon if you have a run sheet and you want the prophetic, maybe you have... You can work this out with your leadership, but you then would have get to the prophetic a little faster. Don't you know? Don't wait so long. I think people wait too long. So maybe have a really good song that doesn't have 15 tags. Do a really precise thing, and then just be ready. You know. And again, if you prepare a good meal, people have a memory of a great taste. Give them a great taste in the prophetic. Prophetic doesn't have to mean that you don't know what's going to happen and it suddenly it happens. You prepare the prophetic. I prepare myself for the prophetic. And I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but I'm ready for pretty much anything he'd like to do. So I'll go, okay, I have five options, people. We could go there, 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 or there. And they go, no, my son says that's too much. Mom, that's just too much. I go, okay, then we'll have three. He goes, that's still too much. Okay, then we'll have two. Secretly, I want to go to those two. But, you know, I stretch it. <laughs> we have these things, you know, and then we'll zone out to two. So for us, we have a different time frame, so we can probably be a little more uh, time... Um, we're not as time-restricted. But you can go into the prophetic even if you're under a time restriction. You've just got to train people to jump in fast. And um, maybe instead of a prophetic song, you could have a prophetic refrain that you've practiced. And then go and, you know, everyone can sing in the spirit after that. I think helping people to go somewhere where they haven't been, you know, we've just got to be good tour guides and be confident of where we're going with it. So the moment... 
the moment the leadership feel like you don't know what you're doing, it makes them feel uncomfortable. And you, they, you know, so having a good experience, I think that's something you can workshop as a team and talk about where where they would like to see that happen and develop it as a group, because it's not every leader of a church gets to be the head psalmist. So I have I have the privilege of doing both. So I can say, yeah, we're going to worship the whole time now, you know. Um, but but everybody knows that that is, they feel like that's going to happen. It's not me trying to do my own thing. I'm still yielding to the team, even though I'm the leader. I'm still saying, do you reckon we should do that? What do you think? So there's always a collaboration with other people. So I'm not just doing my own thing. Yeah. Do you ever have like crazy prophetic breakout moments in praise? Yes, yes. That's super fun. Because you talk about not waiting till, yep. you know, toward the end that's or the right. middle of the service. Yeah, that's right. What does right. it look like, look like at the start of the service? Um, sometimes that's happened where we start and, and it's like the drummer and I will catch eye and I'm like, you know what, we're just going to, and he just starts and he just goes, and then he'll just watch my foot and then he puts a click track according to my foot and then he'll just go, dum, 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 and we just branch out. Sometimes it'll happen in the first song and there's a... Uh, I'll feel this, um, it happens, you can feel it, it's changing. I feel this urge of like, I just want to encourage people. I think that's my biggest thing. I just want to give courage to people. That's at the heart of the prophetic. Um, I'm not just thinking, um, because when you give them courage, they're able to receive comfort better than when they're discouraged. It's really hard to comfort a discouraged person. But when you give them courage, then they receive the rest. They receive comfort, they receive um, the strength that they need. And so when I feel like, especially when stuff was hitting, you know, the pandemic things, like we just we'd still go after it, and prophesy and speak the word of the Lord because that's what kept people steady, you know. But um, it's always risky, and it always feels like this could go really bad really fast. And we have flopped sometimes. We like missed the thing, and then, you know, my son goes, like, "Where were you going?" You know, and he goes to the talk mic, "Where are you going?" And I'm like, "I don't know." I don't know where we're going. Okay, let's go to the next song. <laughs> and then it's fine. You just go to the next song really quickly and it's okay. That happens. <laughs> we're not perfect by any means and we don't always get it right. Um, how do you feel the last two years with the pandemic? How has that influenced worship at your church? Right. Or just even just talk about, mm. you know, the pandemic. Sure. And what's the spiritual climate in regards to worship? Um, surely the need yep. to worship has gone from here to here. Surely we just need to be Absolutely. worshiping Absolutely. and breaking the, you know. Yeah. I think um, fear, um, the weird thing is that loving people has been um, a bigger thing. Helping people to feel settled that it's going to be okay. Because I think people were bombarded by strange philosophies and controversies and ideologies and all kinds of OGs that were very odd. Um, I have never seen so many odd things on the internet in my entire life. And I actually said to Finn at one point, I said, has COVID made this, them so stupid or have they always been this daft? It really worried me that people weren't questioning things and going, hang on a minute, that can't be. Like, have they always been like that or has COVID made this? This is one of the side effects. <laughs> So I think the side effect of quietening people down has been a reality for us as well. Yeah. Like we used to jump out of our skins. And we noticed when people came back, they were almost 
going like, well, can we? And it's like, guys, what's changed? You know. So it's being, it's uh, teaching again, going back to the grassroots and going, okay, this is what praise is, and not being frustrated, because the reality is, um, a lot of things hit people and the masking and all of that. They're like, people actually believed they were being shut down. And I said to people, listen, if you can scream through a mask, you're not being shut down. You know, if people, somebody kills you, they still don't shut you down because you're in heaven with Jesus and you can shut your head off. So they can't actually shut you down, technically speaking. Sorry, I just get very technical. I can be a little bit crazy like that. Um, so I say to people, just analyze what it is that's stopping you and let's get rid of that. Let's do away with those thinkings. And I think conservatism is part of every culture other than the, the African culture. The tribal cultures don't, that doesn't hit them. It just doesn't. It's, but conservatism, where there's English, is very, very prevalent. And we tend to go back into comfort, like, okay, I'll just hang back, whatever. And so I always tell our teams, if you are outrageous, they will be outrageous. If your leadership is, is a modeling freedom, people will follow. People follow leaders, and that's just the reality. So the leaders stay free, they jump around, and everyone follows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just takes time. It takes time again, you know, to do it. But I mean, I'm thinking of Miriam going through the ocean. I don't know how many people went, woohoo, let's, let's do that with her. I'm pretty sure she was alone for a little bit, and there were like three crazy people going, we love Miriam, we like how she does, you know. It took them a while, and then everyone started following. But I think there's always got to be somebody that looks silly at first, and we've got to be that. So it is. It's, uh, when we started our church, I was that silly person jumping out from the keys, jumping around, and everyone would just look at me like, what are you doing? And I'd go home and I'd go, Finn, I was an idiot. He goes, nope, don't stop. Don't stop. Until a few years, then we had a culture of a whole lot of idiots. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had a culture of freedom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I wish you'd go back to the prophetic because mm. that was fun. Sure. Um, does anyone have any questions about the prophetic and worship? Yeah, go on. Go on, Stoke. Come on. <laughs> Okay, so did will that question be heard? Do you no. want to reiterate that? You've done something that you look back on later and you think that didn't maybe I didn't did I nail that moment? Yeah, was I was yourself. I right in that? And it's really easy to be harsh on yourself, to self critique, um, to beat yourself up for that moment. How do you overcome that? It's it's a ruthless thing. The sucker doesn't die slowly. You gotta kill it every time. So like no, it is. It's like Finn doesn't even give me any room. Like if I go home and I go, babe, was that okay? He goes, Stop. I go, Okay, yeah. Don't even give yourself any room. So I have this thing, so if I've preached and I've messed up or I've said stuff or I've overshared, which I, I can be known to do, because I don't know what it is. I just it's, and I always blame the people, like they drew it out of me. They didn't. It's just that I you know, it's my fault. I did it. Um, I'll go home. And I will, on the way home, I'll phone other people and see how they're doing. How are you doing? I just get my mind off. I have to do that. Because I, you, everything wants to make you shrink in, so you go the opposite. 
And then you put on a really funny show, you get some popcorn, a little fizzy, and you sit down and you go, this is so much fun. And then afterwards, because you have to have distance between what you've done, after it's like anybody, you've done something creative, don't crit your work, critique your work straight away, you're gonna hate your artwork. It is part of giving it of yourself, and it will always feel vulnerable. But you've got to come to terms with the fact that you are the art piece. You're going to share your life with the world. Just come to terms with that and say, I am going to feel like this, and this is how I'm going to cope with those feelings. Don't try and eradicate those feelings. You might feel like that forever, but you'll get into a good habit of saying, shut up. It's fine. I tell myself, shut up. Stop. Don't do that. Don't go down. Don't go down there. Only you can send yourself down there. You know, because a lot of people are not thinking the same things we are. They go, oh, that really blessed me. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, just, yeah. Insecurity, insecurity is a, is a habit. Yeah, and I understand that really fully because, yeah, I can self-destruct in a few minutes. But I can also just say, no, I won't touch that button. No. So where's that line then? Like, do you mm -hmm. go back and watch yourself or listen to yourself yes. lead? Yes. Because there's a line, right? Yeah, you don't want to be too self-critical where you're exactly beating yourself up. Sorry, I'm But also, there's, yeah, I love cuddling a cushion when, I, when so I'm short. on the couch. Too. I'm like, um, my legs but are then like there's also up. that line where you, it's so good to learn and it's so good yeah. to be self-improving. Yes. And we have feedback also for the people that are on. So if I see someone drowning after they've sung their song, like, and they go, that was so bad, I go, hey, stop. But if they don't respond to me straight away, I'll say, you need to sort yourself out because nothing of what I'm saying is going in. Do you know what I mean? You have to be trained to get stronger on the inside. And that training on the inside has to look like I'm not doing this for affirmation. I'm doing this because there is something in me that God wants to bring out. And so what's the best way that I can do this? So if, even if I sit um, with our singers and I'll say, that part was great and all you did was you just went a little too long over there. That's all it is. You just pull it back. As soon as you feel like you don't, you don't have to come up with anything more, just pull out. And they go, yeah, that's right. That's so easy. You know? And we give feedback. We say, that was amazing. When you said that, that was a central part of your theme. Go back and watch that and go and figure out what was moving you to say that. Don't jump off that. That was a great line. We could have all sung that as a congregation, just that line. And they go, oh, but I sang it four times, and I thought people were getting bored. And I'm like, they've never heard that. You could have sung that another 15 times. It would have been fine. So schooling them. And, so, and I do the same with myself. I go, actually, that wasn't so bad. There, you just went off a little bit, and you didn't need to go that part. And so I go, okay, is don't go too long. Get to the point. You don't need five verses. Maybe you need to. So... Um, I remember once um, I led worship. It's when I first came here. I've been at Harmony three years now. Three years in August this month, which has been so... I love Harmony, man. So good. Shout out. But um, I, I remember I was pretty fresh here, and uh, at my old church, there was a bit of a... Um, you know, we say excellence culture versus performance culture. Um, and I w my last church, we kind of definitely swayed toward performance where you were just very critical of everything that you did. Everything was, you know, to the time, all of that stuff. And I remember one time I worship led here, and I was pretty fresh. And I got off, and I was so, I got off the stage. I was so unhappy with what had just transpired, like my leading. Um, and I felt really stink about it. 
kind of like what Soph was saying, you know, I was like, man, that wasn't that good. And someone said to me, you know, God is so jealous for his presence that even in that little moment that you just had, and maybe it wasn't that great, God still shows up and he still moves and people still encounter him. Um, So we don't have to be so harsh on ourselves because God's going to move. That's what he does. You know, he's, people are going to encounter him. Um, that's true. It's very true. And I think uh, the, the best, because I mean, obviously you want to be excellent, but the reality is I look at our musicians and uh, they're volunteering their time. They're not being paid for this. And I just think when you love them and you value what they're doing, I think love covers over everything. You know, when you love and appreciate, when you say thank you for your time, thank you for what you've just given, you know, thank you for that. And they go, oh, but I messed up that part and the whole click went off. We had to start again. It's like, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is your efforts were you wanted to love people well and you gave up your time to do that. That's amazing. Thank you. Why should we be harsh with people? These are, they're volunteering their time. It's not a job, you know. That's right. They're not reporting to the boss. So I think that's where I, I feel that's being cruel. And I think honestly, I've got to be honest, we've treated musicians really badly. Like, I mean, we expect the musicians to be there early, do the sound checks, do the thing, and then the preachers get all the attention. Not the house preachers, but visiting ones and that. But really, your whole team has done all the work, you know? And so you just think you you value that. So when you see them, you go, hey, that's amazing. And, you know, I think when you love well, the mistakes get less anyway. Relaxed people, not casual and slack people, but when people are more relaxed they tend to not make as many mistakes. They're confident, you know, they think, this is, oh, we've got this, we've got this, guys, we've got this, you know, and you just perform better. And I don't think there's, a, I think there's a time where you can perform and do a song, we're going to perform this, and hey, guys, we've got this, you know. It doesn't matter if we make mistakes, make confident mistakes and look like it was supposed to be like that, you know. <laughs> and this is the part we start the click track again. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. You're very permission-giving. You sound like a really fun worship pastor. <laughs> like you just say, you know, go and have a go. Um, that's pretty cool, eh? I think that's really cool. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Directive and structured. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. So it's not all just oh, here, go, go and do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably the things that I would be strongest about is theology. Cool. I have a real bugbear about bad theology in songs. Yeah. I think songs that are all about me, all about me, all about me, and he's coming Mm. after me, and it's about me, and it's about me. I'm like, stop. For the love of God, we're here to worship him. You know, let's talk about him. Let's exalt him. I love the songs that you've sung here because you've you've really focused on his attributes and his his beauty, his majesty, and that people need that. People, when people feel that, faith stirs up the r- desire to respond to him because it's, it's evidence and substance that they need. And so bad songs will really put people to, I think, would pacify people and make it all about them, you know, and then it becomes all about the volume and all about me and I don't like the way, I don't like that song and I don't, it's not about you. We're not worshipping you. We're worshipping God, you know. Yeah. So I think it's just flipping that thing that the church isn't here for people predominantly. The ecclesia are called out so that they can fire each other up and then go and love other people. Yeah. You know, sorry, I just went on a bit of a rant. No, but bad good. theology is where I'm very, 
Like I have, I'm no nonsense about that. Like I just won't sing stuff that I don't agree with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if everybody loves it and they're begging me to do the song, I said, we will not do that. Have you got an example? No, I can't do that. <laughs> not publicly. This is going on air. That'll be bad. I'll get sued or something. Okay, <laughs> I think we've classified worship and praise songs maybe unfortunately, and we've gone, all the worship songs are the slow ones where we say that how much we love him, and the praise ones are, and I understand how we got there, because the Bible does say sing to one another, but we're still looking upright, we're not really singing to each other. I think um, if you look right back into the archives of early church worship, they always sang the stages of the cross, that's, that's how they started. They go, well, he told us to remember him. Here's the bread, here's the wine. Okay, and he went, da da da, and he went to Calvary. He did that, and he did that. Wow, that's amazing. And then he rose, and they're like, ah, he's alive, he's alive. And they're running around crazy, you know. So they went through that point to where he was exalted as the risen one. And I think, by and large, we do sing that, those kind of songs. But we've thought that that's praise and that worship is slow. Whereas actually, to praise means to come before to kiss, it's very intimate. But it's also wild, and it's so. I think it, we've been a little too technical and scientific with our recipes for a good worship service. Whereas I think if God is focused on, and people know who He is, and they can get a gospel message just from the worship, if they never had to preach, would they know who Jesus is? That's amazing. Yeah. Then you've done your job, you know. Because sometimes people won't stay for longer than that. They might just listen to the music and then go, yeah, I'm going. Or they might think, that's Jesus. We've had so many people get saved in the worship. They just have an encounter with Jesus and he just comes to them. And they go, oh, right, that's him. That's who he is, you know. Can you um, like talk about praise and worship? You've thrown some pretty interesting definitions of praise like you said earlier, like spinning in circles. Yes. It's wild. Yeah. What, is, um, what does it mean in the Bible? It's, it says, enter his courts with thanks. No, I said it wrong. No, it is. It yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah, and his gates with praise. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know w which specific words they would have been using. I mean, unless I probably need a Bible tool, but you can go into those. Blue Letter Bible is great. You can actually go into the etymology of words click on the words and it shows you which praise word they're using there. So off the top of my head, I don't know which one that is, but some of the praise words will mean extending your hands up. It literally means to extend your hands up. There's all kinds of words. I don't know them off a heart. I've got them in my notes. Um, there's yada, shamach, um, halal. Um, there's, there's gul, G-U-W-L. And that one means to spin, about, to spin around violently as though under like an extreme emotion, like a really violent spinning, which, can you imagine if we had that in our services? People go, oh, what's wrong with that? Oh, they're just ghoul. They're ghouling. <laughs> you know, they're praising. Yeah. And that's one of them. But then so is extending the hands yeah. out to worship. That's also praise. So we've made that worship. Mm. You know, that's the quiet part. But yet 
every extension and expression of the body was a praise movement. And worship, um, you know, is the word that's, it's almost like the collective word of what it is that we're doing when we're with God. We're giving him, we're attributing to him what he deserves, and praise is the action. So actually, funnily enough, there's no praise word that means to sit down. So we always tell people, you can do anything, but sitting down is not praise. (laughs) You know, I mean, unless they have the back issue, then you, you know, obviously sit down. But usually sitting, it's hard to praise and sit. Hey, because you've got to get up and stretch and do something. So it's an action. Praise is an action. And something about praise, eh? Because obviously we do praise here. And sometimes when we say praise, we mean, you know, like maybe above 130 BPM. You had some fast stuff happening tonight. Yeah. Even I was struggling. I was like, wow, okay. That was My 160, just FYI. That was 160 BPM. Once, I don't think I've ever done a 160 BPM. That's, no, that's it's one of formidable. our first as well, I think. Take my hat off to you. <laughs> um, but there's something about praise. You just, there's joy in his presence, you know. There's, and I think, you know, coming off, especially coming out of the last couple of years, um, a lot of people are very inward focused. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are maybe very scared. Um, there's real power in just coming and praising, just shaking mm-hmm. off your shackles, yeah. um, jumping up and down. You know, those things, you know, when we see that, it's like that's we get excited because we, we want to see people come into that place of freedom, right? right. right. Um, so what is, what is joy in context of praise and worship? Well, I think it's the fact that it has an effect. Praise definitely has an effect. And when you're moving your body a little faster, it's like anything. The moment you start to exercise, you, you actually feel better. There is a physical element of euphoria or you know, your serotonin levels are going up, your endorphins, you know, according to people's fitness levels. Because for, pe- for some people, unless they're doing something a little more strenuous, they won't feel that. But there's definitely... A, an excitement and a sense of celebration. So that in itself is a benefit. And helping people to say, hey, you're going to feel better after this. And then pointing it out. How many of you feel better now that you've praised them than when you first came in? And so many of them do that. And you go, you see, you've had a benefit. There is personal benefit that comes from worshipping. The other thing is they shift something in their lives. You know, like, you know, the jail walls break. And um, there is an effect on restrictions in people's lives. So you can't tell people to wait for the restrictions to come off them. It is their praise that will make those restrictions come off. So teach on that. Teach them about how the jail walls came down, you know, it was Paul and Silas. And they weren't doing it for the, pr- for the walls to come down because actually, they didn't, you know, it was only the, the pris- other prisoners that were wanting to escape. They were happy to sit there and preach the gospel. But it was the effect of their praising that had, you know, it shattered things, moved things, shifted things. It had an effect on circumstances and restrictions, and it definitely has that. So so you tell people, okay, it doesn't matter if you're feeling that, it doesn't matter if you're feeling that. You're going to break out of your own jail. You're going to break your, your family out of stuff. Worship, and it will have that effect on others, you know. So, so cool. Hmm. Explaining the why. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You want to talk yeah. about angels, don't you? I mean, if you want to, I'm yeah, happy. Cool. Should angels of worship. Yeah, I mean, they love worship. Mm. Matthew 18 says they come from the face of God. They worship all the time. 
People are very worried about worshipping angels, but actually real angels won't be worshipped. Have you noticed how they say, don't worship me, I'm an angel? So people are so worried. It's like, don't worry, they'll tell you. The real ones will tell you. If they don't, if they accept your worship, that's a true sign <laughs> that they're not an, a real angel, a good angel. So, you know, you've got to think about that. I think personally the worship of angels is worshipping the demonic and giving them way too much profile. People who keep saying they're under warfare means they really are worshipping warfare. If you keep under it, it means you're stretching out your hands up to it, you know. So worshipping the demonic is far more prevalent than worshipping angels. They are fallen angels. Um, and they do come dressed up, you know, as light and stuff. But angels that come from God, they come with the atmospheres of whatever there is there. Um, I've seen all kinds of angels. I've seen angels that are in unison. They just sing one line. And I've also seen a whole lot of creativity in the angels where they actually, this one sings that. And that's how we got to sing all those different kinds of prophetic songs. Is there'd be different angels that would come with different missions, you know, from the presence of God. And, you know, we have angels that have come that have helped us to sing in genres we've never done before or even in styles of worship, like we sang over Pakistan for years. We didn't even know who we were singing over. We sent these songs to people we knew in Pakistan, but um, it opened a door for us to preach, to preach into Pakistan and, and do crusades there and preach into villages every month. We asked up a team to do that, but that started off with us singing over Pakistan, and it started with angels coming in that were ministering to people in Pakistan, and so they'd come. And we'd sing in all kinds of unusual ways. And people would say, that sounds like their music, you know. We'd say, yeah, we felt like we were in Pakistan. We felt like we were in India. You know, so again, the nations and the tribes are all around the throne. And they're all mixing, you know. But when you feel like there's, oh, there's something here. There's a genre or there's a nationality of sound. So we practice those genres. Wow. It's really fun. That sounds It is a lot of fun, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> How did you know that was angels? <laughs> um, uh, sense a change around you. Now, it's always Holy Spirit. It, Holy Spirit's inside of you, but angels tend to feel something outside of you. Holy Spirit is very like, oof, this is inside of me. I don't feel angels inside. They generally are on the side of me. And I didn't understand why I'd always go really hot on one side. And I go, why do I feel that? And the Lord would say to me, then one day he said to me, do you want to see who it is? I said, sure. It was the middle of a worship session. And I just looked over my shoulder and there was this angel with really curly hair. Looked a lot like me, but was just giving me words. And I'm like, is that who it is? He goes, yep, that's your angel, one of them. I'm like, I didn't even want to look again. I didn't. I turned around and went, okay. So when I'd feel really hot, I'd go, okay, well, what are we going to do now? And I'd just start singing. And I'd have people go, how do you get all those songs? I'm like... I don't know if you're going to believe this, but you learn to respect the fact that they're coming from a dimension that is beyond our cognitive intelligence, and they want to help us. So um, the Bible also says they come to minister to heirs of salvation, Hebrews 1. And so if you're fixated on salvation, they really like that, because they go, oh, great, you love Jesus as well. That's who we love. And so they're fascinated with that, and they want to help you with that. So that's how we got to change the way we sang songs, because we just go, let's go to Jesus straight away. Let's tell people who he is. And angels love that. They want to help us. 
that's all they're there to do because they come straight from that presence and they come on a mission to do that. So it's horrible if they just hang around that and you, you don't ignore them because we're not used to knowing what to do when they're around, you know. And so I'll say, Lord, I'm not really sure what to do now. <laughs> what would you like to do? You know, so sometimes I'd be off the stage and I'd see angels on the stage. And um, Geordie would say to me, I felt something change. I didn't know what it was. I said, well, you had two angels around you. And he goes, yeah, I felt, I heard this other rhythm and I felt to do this. I said, yep, that was the one helping you. And then there was the other guy, you know, doing the other thing. And so then he learned, oh, wow, when I feel that, that's when these angels are around. And they're very different. Like so they, they all look different. They're all different types of angels. And Geordie's ones look different to my ones. My ones look, you know, wild hair and... You know, they're very poetic and rappy and all different types of things. Yeah, just, I don't know, different. Yeah. I think a lot of us could probably say, we'd love to see angels in worship, <laughs> you know. It's probably quite scary at yeah. first, you know. <sighs> What's the secret? I How do you become aware? How do you become aware? I think you can actually work with the seers. They usually are those strange people. <laughs> in your congregation that you might avoid. But actually saying to them, hey, you see things. Like, could you help us understand what it is that you see? What, what Did you see anything during the service? And they go, yeah, when you sang that song, you know, there was a very colorful one that appeared and was like, you know, saying, here you, Jesus on the throne. And then everyone goes, yeah, they all felt amazing at that time. So you learn to recognize what the things that change. But I guess if, you, if you're in a, in a mode a worship mode where you're getting through the songs, it's hard to give room for that. So when we practice, we'll go, okay, this is why we stop at this place, because it feels like that something needs to happen. And then it becomes more like you don't have to wait for them to arrive. It's like you're saying, God, who do you want to summon today? What is it that you, what kind of worship service do you want today? And it usually it's, well, I really want to do these songs. You think, okay, seems like today it's tribally. You know, so you say, Lord, would you release those tribal ones? Help us. And then it just goes off. So you learn to then be entrusted and to entrust. So I don't go around saying, angels do this, do that. You don't have to. You just partner with the Father. And you say, Father, what do you want to do? What do you, you know, and what are you doing? Are there, and sometimes there is nothing. It doesn't feel like anybody's there. <laughs> You're just going through your thing. And it just sometimes it does, there's nothing fantastic happening. Yeah. It's just really us singing songs and loving him, and it's okay, you know? Um, yeah. hundred percent. That's right. They don't have a filter. Children, children haven't learned to filter. Um, like somebody was saying when the, I was talking to your wife today about dancing and how when they're really young, they just... The creativity in them is amazing and they learn to become more conservative and more reserved because we've taught people that that's weird or that's odd or, you know, that's just strange. You can't see angels. But children see angels, exactly. Ask the kids, what are you seeing? Can you sense it? What are you drawing? What can you, you know? We used to ask our kids, did you see anything? Yeah, I saw this one in the corner. This happened, you know. Um, so they can, they, they see it. And it's beautiful. Yeah. They bang on. So cool. <laughs> Um, we do have some questions coming in on the stream. Um, hi, everyone that's watching. Say hi, Izzy. 
Hey, how's hi. it going? Say hi to my wife. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> um, no, we've got a few questions here. I thought um, the first one is uh, how do you manage when someone from the congregation brings something that takes things in a different direction to where you're leading? So I think, I think what they're saying is when someone in the congregation kind of hijacks the moment. We won't let someone do that. Okay. That's my answer. I mean, we can't, we, we might, we assign psalmists and we, we recognize that gift on them and they know how to work with our musicians. Mm. And if, if one of them comes up at the wrong time, if they go like this and I go, just wait a few minutes because we're going somewhere. And then if it's, then sometimes they'll say, oh, I felt like the moment went, came and went, and that's okay. They don't get hurt because they know that there's a bigger picture. Mm. Um, but in, then at the right time, you can actually let them on. So there is a um, collaboration with whoever's leading the meeting. They'll mm. also say, nope, it doesn't seem like the right time now. And then if the person comes and they're still hijacked, that's okay. It's just a meeting. It's not the end of the world. Mm. Um, you just bring it back again and you can try and... Or go off the back of that and just go, we're just going to do that. We're just going to sing the last line of what they sang. So it's again, it's not trying to advert attention to them and go, well, that was wrong. Now we're going back to what we wanted to do. Sometimes you've got to cover that and just um, be kind if that has happened, especially if the person's really super earnest and usually gets it right, you know. But if it's somebody that hijacks regularly, I would just tie up the hijacker, just quarantine them, gag them, mask them, anything. But just have a good chat to them and say, that's not helpful what you're doing. And and this is why. Maybe you'd be better useful than that. Would you like to write down whatever it is you feel and would, would say it to the congregation? I mean, if a person can't sing, we just won't let them sing a prophetic song. We'd just say, rather say it, get voice lessons until such time as we feel you can sing it. I mean, it's just normal, you know, stuff. But like say sometimes I'll be worship leading mm-hmm. and there'll be, it'd be like kind of a, more of a free moment of worship. Mm-hmm. And then someone comes in with the mic, with the prophetic word. Uh, I feel sometimes it may mm-hmm. take away from where I was wanting to go. So mm-hmm. how do I then sacrifice what I want to see and where I, where I think it's going and lay that down to yes. where Holy Spirit is going or maybe where the pastors want to see it go, You know, where they want to see it go? We have really honest chats. With the prophets and with because again we don't just let anybody we we have prophets assigned, and they some of them pray all night, like they come up ready. We have really honest talks, and I'd say, hey, today I've really got a weighty thing in the worship. Um, wait till the end, wait till we're done, and then come up, so that you can fully release. And then they f- they feel validated, and then they learn to validate what you're doing. Because we say, hey, we've we've been preparing for hours for this. We're so excited about this. We want to be able to give our gifts. But then you get the times where it just, you know, you have your natural laws <laughs> and then you have the ones the day that all the laws go to the floor and you just think, actually, we really need to do this. And then you get the mistakes too. You just accept, that was a bit of a mistake. But the best thing to do is if you're live, especially if you're live, is you just don't scowl and go. You know, because... We have done that. We just and the people were like, "Oh, we just so saw that you weren't happy about that." I'm like, "Well, I've got to work on that." You know, my face. I just peacefully look into euphoric places. Some people aren't aware until you react. Exactly. Yeah. yeah don't scowl. Don't do anything. Just act calm. Just stay calm. You're gonna. It's not the last time we're gonna lead worship. We're gonna get another chance. Yeah. It'll be okay. <laughs> and then people tell you, "Oh, when that guy came up, that word," and I was like. Oh, 
you know, because your heart has to be tested. Yeah. I think as long as we're upfront leaders, we have to be tested. Yeah. And that's okay. That's good. Yeah, it's good yeah, for yeah. us. That's cool. Um, on a bit of a different note, but a question here. Uh, is it a possibility of having an eight-week worship workshop sometimes in the future for us to all practice together? I realize now that's probably more of a question for us. Yeah. But do exactly. you guys do things like that? We're, next year we're doing a worship school okay. for a whole term, yeah, which wow. will be probably 10 or, 10 or 12 weeks. For your worship musicians? We'll do it for everybody because so many people ask about things like angels and we go, well, we'll teach that. And even new musicians have come and they have no idea what I'm talking about because they've only come in the last two years and they were watching online and whatever part of our the understanding of what goes on behind the scenes. So we're going to teach into all those things and um, and they can do a worship thing. So we'll have a school running the whole year and that worship module will be the free module so that everyone gets a chance to be to be to teach and to learn. Is there trial and error in that? People can just, you give them a mic and say, let's practice prophesying, you know? Um, it depends, because if, if it's in person, we can do that. If it's a Zoom, that might be tricky. Okay. Yeah, it's different. You have different activations. But I think we, we practice, when we have our practice times, we will, that's when we experiment. And when we have our worship um, meetings that are just worship, we call them radiate, um, then anyone gets a chance. And then you have, you have a lot more mess, but it's okay because it's that kind of meeting where everyone knows there's no preaching, there's no time restriction. It's an hour and a half of fun times. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Would you like to talk about your audition process? Audition process. Says a member of yes. the congregation. Um, I, the audition process looks like obviously the people need to, like we have a thing called Born Free, and I, I want them to do born, born free. <laughs> not that, but it's close, close to that. Um, I just watched Madagascar last yeah, night. Yeah, oh, nice. born free. It's a beautiful <laughs> movie too, Born Free and Madagascar. I think Madagascar's more fun. Um, um, physically fit. Um, so. <laughs> Sorry, I just hijacked you then, didn't I? You did, yeah. yeah but that's yeah. okay. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Um, so the Born Free course helps people understand what's happened to us as believers because it's really hard to work with people that have a very different idea about salvation. For instance, if we have really fearful musicians that believe they're going to lose their salvation any moment, it, they can't cope with what, what's going on on stage. Never mind angels. They're like, no, that's too much. Um, so they've got to be strong in their foundation of Christ and what Christ has done for them. So Born Free is like, that's a must. Um, they, they don't have to have perfect pitch, but we want to hear if they know notes and they can hear, like if they're singers and they can't pitch, we say, hey, go to voice lessons, come back. When you've done six months, say, three to six months of just voice lessons and train yourself and then come back. We're very honest with people because we know that we test their ability to harmonize. So we say, okay, I'm singing this, what can you do? Can you hear the third? Can you hear intervals and stuff? Because we can't just have people sing in unison. It doesn't really make sense. And they're not all going to be worship leaders. Um, some people might not make it for worship team, but they might be good for choirs. So my excitement is next year, hopefully, we will have a choir. And a lot of the singers that maybe didn't make it for stage will be able to sing in a choir. And then what's going to be really fun is teaching them how to sing prophetic parts. Yeah. It'll be super fun. On the talkback mic, teaching them those. Um, I think um, 
What other thing have we done? We do ask questions of, do you, li- do you like the way we lead worship? Because we, ca- you know, sometimes we've had situations where they've come on and then they've gone, they don't like the way we do something. We go, well, that's too late now because this is the way we do things and then they fight that. Wow. That's really hard to undo. It's really, wow. it's, you know, so you've really got to ask people, do you like how we do stuff? Because this is how we do stuff. Like, if I've got to be able to look at your set, if you're leading, and say, nah, that song's not going to cut it, and you can't start with that song, it's really weird. Like, please don't do that. If they don't like that, mm. So you've got to be, you know, do you understand we have a culture, and we've got to be able to have, you know, they go, oh, my last church, I could do what I wanted. And we're like, that was your last church. <laughs> so we tell people, leave your last church behind well, and when you join this church, you've got to understand we do things differently. Mm. Oh, but at our last church, we, we were allowed to do this. Well, it's different. This is this church, you know. And so do you like that? Because you've got to like pretty much most of what we... Because if they have a different vision or if they're constantly thinking, I wouldn't do that, I would do that better, you've got to address that independent spirit in them and say, we love your initiative, but could you help? How about you come and make tea for everybody? And they go, no, we don't want to make tea. Well, then they don't have a servant heart. So, you know, I, I, used, I still to this day, we, we used to like, what do you want for coffee? We love every now and again, we just bless everyone with coffees. And we just tell them, are you willing to serve? Are you willing to do stuff like that? And just help make tea. Just bring out the microphones, help serve. You know, is that part of your culture? Is that something in you? And if they look like they don't want to do that, it's probably not going to go well. Yeah. But if they're teachable, they go, well, I'm willing to learn. That's good. If they're teachable, I love it. Yeah. If there's humility. Who's, um, who's involved in the audition process? Like who's um, in the room usually, when an audition is happening? Probably George and myself would be involved. Yeah, George and I. He's, he picks up things that I don't and I vice versa, which is really good. He's a great, um, he's probably more ruthless than I am. <laughs> but you need that sometimes, yeah. But to be honest, I don't know that we've had to audition much because we've heard people behind us or something. We go, hey, you know, you've been in the church, whatever. Would you like, it's a natural, more natural process. Or they filter through the life group and it, comes back through musicians, they go, man, when that person sings, it's amazing. So it's easier than those people who haven't really had to audition yet. Oh, and they must be part of life groups. Must be part of a life group? Yes. That's important. Yes, because we can't pastor all of them, you know, it's really hard. And come to church, not just when they're rostered on. Oh gosh, that's still a work in progress. Yeah, I know. Um, I have a question here, and I think we'll probably aim to wrap up in the next wee while. How long have I got? We got. Oh, great. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Sweet. We started late. Um, but we were on a time, weren't we, Izzy? Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe we'll make this one of our last questions before we throw it open to the room. Um, but someone here said, I hear people say they don't like high, like BPM praise, fast praise, because they think it's too fake or too hypey um, or it's not true to where I'm at. What okay. do you say to that? I think if you're going to do really super fast things and you've, most of your congregation is old, you've got to think about them bones, them bones, them old bones. 160 BPM, they're going to they're gonna put their hips out or something. It's, just, it's actually stressful for them. So lower the BPMs for an older congregation um, and then have particular things where you just go, tonight it's for all the screamos. To have nights of crazy where you're going to go just hard. Because some people can just do 160 for like two hours. But then have specific praise and just say we're going to pray over the nations at this speed if you have a heart issue don't come 
you know. But I think um, you've got to be kind to people because not everyone can cope with that high intensity too much, you know. And I'm like a high intensity person. Here's another thought, though. On a flip side of that, there are some genres that are just easier for dancers to dance to, and hip, you know, the hip hoppers just can't bounce to 160, but they can come with. So finding out if you want dance in your church, find out the BPM that the dancers in your church are there and say, hey, we've actually got a song where it's got the BPM where you can actually prophetically dance. Do you want to do that? Send them the song, you know, so they can actually go, oh, that's great. I could move to that. And it helps them. So BPM is not for us. It's for the people in your church. Serve them. I think authenticity is a heart issue, not a BPM issue. Yeah, because you, I can be very authentic in the genre that I like and whatever. So what they're probably saying is that's not my genre, it's not my speed. That's not authentic for them. But they can do halftime. There's a halftime clap. You know, you just tell them, okay, you don't have to do da, da, da. You can go da, 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 da. You just tell, teach people timings, you know. I think um, sometimes people are reacting because it offends them. It's offensive, but, you know, you can also teach again. Um, you know, David's wife was offended. It was David because she wouldn't have done it like that. She was like, you're just being crass like the servant people. How dare you disrobe? Because she didn't like the fact that, you know, she was scared about the fact that maybe they were going to expect her to do that. It, they weren't going to respect her. So, again, I think it has to do with how do people perceive that that's acceptable worship for them? And say, whatever is acceptable for you, you do that, but don't criticize other people, because that's what Michelle did. She actually criticized. So don't criticize somebody else. Criticism, if you think somebody else is unauthentic, you're being critical. You can only really say that you're being unauthentic. You can't tell other people they're being unauthentic. Who are you? You can't see inside of them. So, yeah, Michelle says, became barren. And that's what happens, I think, when we criticize, we, we stop the capacity for us to reproduce anything beautiful and creative that's really good yeah that's really good it felt a bit ouchy but no 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 <laughs> yeah I just feel like I have a million questions after that <laughs> I just feel like I have a million questions after that but maybe another time we'll um, we'll chat about worship maybe we'll just get you back that might be a good idea, eh? Should we have Izzy back for another session sometime for a worship weekend? Ooh, that'd be fun. I feel like that'd be fun. That'd be super yeah. fun. Um, what we're going to do is just any final questions from our congregation slash audience. Um, if anyone has any final questions. <laughs> you would ask that question, eh? If you, uh, if you have time, I have time. It's up to you. We got it. What does prophetic process look like? Yeah. As in, like, how do I come up with a prophetic song, or what is it? Uh, no? What, what do you... Yeah. Yes. I have all of those things. Yeah. The, probably the most common thing would be that I notice somebody. So I'll find, oh, you're looking lovely today, and then I'll remember that face. And then so during the worship, I'll say, do you have a word for that 
person, Lord, do you want me to point them out? Sometimes it's just, no, you just liked what they were wearing. And then sometimes it's like, no, I noticed something about them. The other thing that happens is you remind me of, and I usually have, what is it about that person you remind me of? Oh, it's that element. I'll bring that element and I say, this is what I feel God's saying to you. Um, I won't always tell them you remind me of that person. I don't tell them the process. I go straight to the word because people don't need to know the process. I think, yeah, I was in the shower and as the water was running, you know, we don't want to know. We really don't want to know. Do you know what I mean? So um, um, the other thing is sometimes I'll have a word. I'll just see over them like accountant or work, um, their work, something to do with their work. And I'll just say, do you work in a da-da-da-da? I'll ask a question. It'll help me. Um, sometimes I will just have a sense. I'll just have a feel pull towards a person and I'll walk towards them. Or I'm there and I feel drawn to the back. And I'll go, hey, that person in the back in the corner, you, yes, you. And then I'll feel something for them. Oftentimes if I'm drawn to them, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. No words. There's no nothing. And you're just going clean out into, it's, that's the scariest. Yeah, because you just think, I could, this could be so wrong. But then you say, does that make any sense to you? So that gives them the opportunity to say, no, actually. And sometimes I've had that where they go, actually, not really, but that part did. Or sometimes they said, no, I don't feel like that's really for me. But then after, when they've gone home, they've gone, oh my gosh, of course it is. Like, I remember saying to this person, man, there's creativity all over you, drawing or something. Do you do artwork? She goes, no, not really. And then she went home and the Lord said to her, you're a tattoo artist. I'm like, oh yeah, I got tattoo people's eyebrows and things. Of course I'm creative. She goes, but I said to you, no. And I said, actually, that didn't bug me at all because I said I knew you were. So it didn't bug me because I knew it was true. <laughs> so you don't fight with them. You just let, let it sink in, you know. So um, that's some of the process. Sometimes I have a vision. It's, it's less, I used to, I find the Lord used to make it more obvious for me and now he's making it super not obvious. So it's a little scarier. But I think it's like, you know, <laughs> when, you, when you have toddlers, you, you want to, Say to them, take the plastic cups. You make it really simple. Take that cup to there or put that in the rubbish. But, you know, as you grow older, if God still has to speak to you like that, sometimes he goes, do you want to jump off the edge of the cliff? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen, but you just jump off the edge, you know. So I think um, process doesn't always look the same. In diff and the, uh, it has to change as we grow. When do you not share? Um, I, I will sometimes have a, um, a lot of information about a person, and the Lord will tell me, I'm not showing you that to tell them that. I'm showing you that so that you're kind in the way you deliver this part, and you draw them out. So it's equally, yeah, it's equally about what you're not to say. And I sometimes think people just say everything that they see because they don't realize that, you know, you, <laughs> he's not telling you so that you can tell anybody. It's so you can understand where they're coming from. And so, um, yeah, so there are times where, yeah, like the Lord said, all of that stuff and you're not to say any of it. And that's, um, and, then, and then you say, what would you like prayer for? And they say something and you honor that. And you've still loved them well. Yeah, even though you could have said, I know what prayer you really need, <laughs> you know, but it's not about that because it's not, God is love, he's not information. 
Any one more burning question? Have we got one more? Totally cool, if not. Did that answer your question? Great question. It's brilliant. I Talking love about that. music, worship, how much time do you spend in silence? Well, the Lord challenged me a few years ago and he said, I want you to spend Saturday nights with me. I said, Sure, let's do that. What are we doing? We're partying. What are we doing? You know, he was like, Ooh, Saturday nights. Let's do that. And I sat for the first Saturday night and about 3 a.m., I'm like, Wow, you've not really said much. So I took up my sewing. Just a, it was pretty silent for lots of Saturday nights in a row. Um, and I found that that really built in a security in me. So, yeah, I love those times. And actually, when people say to me, do you get prophetic words all the time? I'm like, no, he's not chatty. I don't find God is very chatty, but he does wake me up very inconveniently in the middle of the night and say, ah, I want to talk now. So he's quite eccentric, I find. God deals, God relates to my eccentric by being eccentric with me. But yeah, he is quiet because he knows I like quiet. I actually don't like a lot of noise. So <laughs> so I love the quiet. I love that. Um, I did it for two years and then I asked the Lord for a break because I said, I'm really tired. I'd like to sleep on a Saturday night. And so he said, okay, we'll have a break. <clears throat> and then every now and again, he just, you know, if I want to, I can stay awake, you know. Wow. So yeah, it's, it was a lot of fun. When you say silent, do you mean literally sitting there doing nothing yeah or just, do you mean you oh, said about sewing and yeah I do creative things or f- fix things or just sit read scripture just sit but he's, he was not super chatty at all I was quite disappointed to be honest because I'm like you asked me to do this and now you're not saying anything but it wasn't about that it held me in a space so that when he did speak after that when the room was full <laughs> then it was really clear because there was this peace space inside that that um so again it's like having pages open and that page is blank it was just waiting you know for him to write yeah being secure with him not saying anything Hmm. and still knowing that he's loving you yeah because he doesn't have to say anything wow (laughs) this has been cool yeah i've really enjoyed this good and i think we've all gotten something out of this tonight. Um, sometimes it's cool just to sit down with someone and ask questions and draw wisdom out. Um, we saw that on Friday. We were just mm-hmm. able to ask questions and draw yeah. things out. And again tonight, and it's just been been cool to sit and chat. Thank you. So thank you for sharing with us tonight for your wisdom. Um, thanks for going before us and and worshiping and just having a beautiful relationship with God because for many of us, it's very inspiring. Um, and just seeing your creativity just get set loose, just seeing, yeah, just seeing the way you talk to God and um, how you hear from him, mm-hmm. you know, how you prophesy, all of that stuff. It's It's been really fun. Wonderful. So, Thank you so much. It's been a cool weekend, eh? Yay. All right. Um, yeah, let's give Izzy a hand. Come on. Thank you. Yes. Um, and the final thing we're going to do tonight is you're going to pray for us, Ooh. if that's okay. Yes, let's do that. Great, thank you. Wonderful. 
Oh, is that online as well? We're praying for online or have they disappeared? No, no, no. It's just us. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We thank you for you always feed hungry. You always give drink to the thirsty. And we thank you, God, that we've drunk from you, we've eaten from you. Thank you that you have more hot bread, that you have manna that comes from your mouth. We live off the manna that comes straight from your mouth. Lord, we want to know how you speak to each each and every single one of us individually. And, and right now, we just release the grace to eat from the mouth. We thank you that we don't have to eat other people's digested food all the time, but that you have a feast prepared for us. And we thank you, Father, that you lay the table for each and every single one of these sons and daughters. Thank you that they are champions of your presence and that they are um, scribes of your heart. Thank you that, that their tongues are skillful writers and they, Father, you stain their tongues with the new covenant, with the new wine, that you allow them to enjoy even more freedom in your presence, to kick off their shoes and anything that restricts them, God. Break down the jail walls with their happy songs, their sacrificial songs, their painful songs, their weeping songs. Thank you for all the different types of worship that you have from the midst of them and thank you that they that just with a group of... Just with this handful of people, you can change the world, Lord. And so we thank you, God, for a culture of freedom and that there really will be a house that lives free, free to worship you with abandonment. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.